my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. Welcome to the Black Girls Heal podcast, where we talk about healing our intimacy disorders, unresolved trauma, and building a healthy relationship with first ourselves and then others. Every episode, we will talk about advice you can apply today to break unhealthy patterns and grow in your self-worth. I'm Sheena Lachey, love addiction coach and trauma specialist. Let's begin. Hello, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Black Girls Heal. Happy New Year, y'all. It is 2023. I hope that you had a wonderful New Year celebration, however you celebrated, whether or not it was in bed, whether or not it was with friends and family, whether or not you was making out with somebody at midnight. Girl, I hope that you had a wonderful, wonderful weekend celebration and that you brought it in exactly the way that you wanted it to. I... I, I, I am sitting in so much excitement and anticipation for what this year has to bring. I have so much hope and optimism. And if you don't have it, let me, I'm throwing it at you. I'm throwing it at you through the audio, through your car radio, (laughs) in your headphones as you're taking your walk, as you're cleaning up in your kitchen, listening to this on YouTube, whatever it is that you're doing, I am just sitting at your desk, girl, this is your year. And it is okay for you to receive that. You know, I've been talking a lot about receiving the last several months, and I know that it can be very easy to be like, it's just another day, it's just another whatever. The point is, if someone is sending you blessings and sending you hope and sending you love and optimism, it is totally okay for you to receive it fully in your heart. And so whether or not you're listening to this on January 5th or March 23rd or November 16th, I want you to receive this blessing that I am believing the best for you in this next season for you and this next chapter for you and that you get to have good things and you get to have good vibes and you get to have good love wherever you are, however things are. So with all of that said, y'all, this year we ain't playing no games here at Black Girls Hill. We are focused on getting y'all getting y'all recovered um, with love addiction and love avoidance and love deprivation. And even though I've been talking about that for the last four years, when I was looking at what's going to make this year different, I was like, you know what? This year, we're speaking to the people who are ready. We're speaking to the people who are ready to move forward, who are ready to make change. I think I've gone back and forth the last several years with trying to capture everybody. Y'all have heard me talk about this at different points in time. But as I was reflecting on this next year and the content we're going to put out here and what we're going to put out um, on social media and on YouTube and all the plans, I was like, you know, I'm really going to focus on speaking to the people who are actively making changes, ready to make changes, who are doing the work to my previous clients, to my future clients, and everybody else who is kind of contemplating. I hope that by you listening to this, that you feel inspired by it, that you feel motivated by it. But I'm going to optimize the hour that I have with y'all every week to make sure that I am giving as much motivation and direction as possible to those who are ready. And so some of you may be like, wait, there." If we're listening to this, aren't we ready? And I'm going to give you all a little bit of education before we jump into today's topic, which is how to exit patterns of love deprivation. 
to move into feeling love worthy. Love deprivation is when we self-deny, when we self-abandon, when we put ourselves last, when it's when we can be doing all these things that feel good, but we still feel a little bit empty inside, that we don't feel good enough, that we don't feel worthy. This is a type of love addictive behavior that's really easy to kind of ignore because when you're living in love deprivation, you are trying to repress all of your desires, all of your needs and trying to live without them. You're trying to go long periods of time and long stretches of trying to act like you don't need affection, love, attention, fun, pleasure, and hopes that if you just keep pushing it down and acting like you don't need it and keeping yourself busy, that is going to go away. And it doesn't. And when it comes back, it comes back with a vengeance. So we're going to talk about that today in today's episode. So let's go ahead and jump on in. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. Okay, so for those of you who do not know, here at Black Girls Heal, what I specialize in is helping women heal from the symptoms of love addiction, love avoidance, and love deprivation. I was a licensed therapist for over 12 years. I was in recovery for sex and love addiction myself through the 12-step programs of Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous and several of the other conjoining ones for about two, two and a half years. I saw people for therapy for um, about five or six years, specifically for love and sex addiction, in addition to all the other things. And then I transitioned into coaching here on Black Girls Heal full time because I saw the dramatic change that women that I worked with in my coaching programs would get better faster and quicker and deeper than the women that I worked with in therapy. And I loved, loved, loved my therapy clients. If some of y'all are still listening, what's up, girl? I, I miss all of you so much, but I transitioned into coaching so that I can make a bigger, deeper impact. And this podcast is part of how I help part of how I set the stage for women who are ready to work on these things. Maybe you already have people that you're working with and you're using this to supplement, or you have been working on the symptoms and things that we talk about here all the time. And you're like, this ain't working or I need something deeper. That's what I do here because I was you. I was not only working as a therapist and in therapy myself, but I kept hitting the same roadblocks when it came to love addiction, love avoidance, love deprivation, codependency, and all the nuances of this. And there needed to be something deeper. There needed to be something more to actually help me break changes and not go back to narcissists, not go back to situationships, not go be in relationships with people and have my friends be like, girl, what are you doing? Like, you're too good for this, right? And so... I had to create systems and tools that were not already available for me as a therapist and in the therapy world and put that together with real world solutions. And that's why I really love coaching, too, because you actually I actually get to tell people what I think (laughs) as a therapist. It was very much like I set the stage for people to to process their emotions and to work slowly through trauma and work slowly through the things that have brought them there, which is important. But sometimes you just need somebody to tell you, stop that, do that. What is it that you want and let's work towards it to be more goal oriented. And as someone who likes to do both, I like to be able to talk about my feelings, but I also like to have concrete next steps on what to do. I love that as a coach, I get to put all that together and I get to give people 
that hybrid experience that I I really benefit from. And I feel like the people who I work with get that as well. So with all that said, that's all the background to let you know we have a framework here. When I'm talking about this whole system that I had to figure out, this framework on how to help people, that framework is called the Healed and Loved Woman framework. There are three prongs to the framework. On one leg, women go from being love addicted to love balanced. The other prong is to go from being love avoidant to love available. And then the third prong that we're going to talk about today is going from living in love deprivation to your love worthiness. Okay. One thing that I've carried over from my work as a therapist into my work as a coach, even though I love giving a tools and steps and processes is I really try to emphasize for my clients that their healing journey is a process. Meaning, yes, we have objectives, but there's no real mountaintop of perfection that says, okay, once you reach this goal of being love balanced, you will never, ever really feel clingy sometimes when you like somebody, or you will never, ever struggle with an aspect of codependence when it comes to love addiction and being love balanced. But rather, whenever you start to feel the symptoms and the triggers of that, you're able to notice it so quick and recover from it. You're able to practice more self-acceptance and feel more empowered when it comes to it. And yes, there is real growth. So there are some places and situations that you know, you can never go back to, like, even if you wanted to, your awareness and your growth and your healing, you can go back to it. But the reason why I truly, I really try to emphasize balance and self-acceptance is because our perfectionistic tendencies can be like, well, I'm not allowed to ever have a weak moment again. And I'm never able to, to have any, any aspect of self-doubt. And I'm not allowed to feel sad. If I feel any of those emotions, if I feel any type of negativity, then that means I'm not actually here. And that's a really, really hard and impossible place to put yourself in because you're human. And as a human, you're going to have emotions. You're going to have ups and downs. What you're trying to get out of, which is what love addiction, love avoidance, and love deprivation does, is this this out of control feeling that even when you know what you want to do, and even when you even have access to the resources and tools to do what you want to do, to end a relationship, to say yes, to say no, to go out for the things that you want, you feel out of control and you can't do it, right? You're you're too burdened by fear. And what the healing does, what the growth does is it helps you step beyond that. It helps you step to a place where you can stay in self-ownership, that you can stay choosing you, that you can stay moving towards the relationships that you want instead of running away from them, even when it gets hard, even when it gets difficult. And so that is why I really try to preach and teach balance and self-ownership and self-compassion because you're not a robot, love. You're you're going to have the full flex of the emotions, but that's a good thing because it's not just the negativity that you get to flex to. You get to flex to the full range of love and happiness and fulfillment instead of playing it safe in the middle. I don't know if anybody else can relate to allowing yourself to flex just a little bit in the emotions, but really trying to stay neutral. Because if I get too happy, then something bad is going to happen. And if I get too sad, then I can't function. So I'm just going to let myself stay in this little window of experience in the middle, but you miss out on so much. And then also having to keep that window so tight, that self-protective window, like you, it's really hard for you to experience life and to feel like you're not just going through the emotion, through, through the motions. So 
that is kind of setting the stage for our framework at the top of 2023 and for our new listeners. And let's talk about the stages of change, because I think that's also what stops us from moving forward as well. So there are multiple stages of change. There's the pre-contemplation stage of change, there's contemplation, then there's action, and then there's maintenance. Um, Depending on what stages of change a model you're looking at, there are a couple other ones in between, but those are the ones I'm going to focus on right now. So when you're in pre-contemplation, this is when you are, you don't really quite even think that it's a problem. Like, yeah, your friends or family might say it's an issue. Yeah, like it's something that was kind of stressful, but it's not that big of a deal. What people say you need to work on or what people say is a problem, that's for them. It's not for you. So you're not even aware that this could be problematic for you or that it's producing negative consequences. Here, you just think this is how life is. So yeah, I mean, I'm in relationships where people fight and they argue and maybe there's some abuse, but that's just what happens. Like, you know, people cheat. And so I'm just going to be in relationships and just understand that cheating is a part of it. I'm not going to expect anything different. I'm going to play the game and I'm going to do my own thing and I'm going to manipulate to get what I want or I'm not going to ask for what I want because I am so used to being in relationships with partners that tell me that I'm asking for for the world. And so I might even ask, actually, I might even say what I want, but I'm not going to expect it. And that's, I just figure that relationships are about give and take and you can't get everything. And when it comes to going out for, for promotions or for careers or starting to do my art again, you know, I might dream about it, but you know, dreams don't really come true. That only happens to a few people in Hollywood. And even then people be faking. No, ain't nobody really that happy. So I'm not really going to expect the best. And I'm just going to take the status quo that I have. That's pre-contemplation stage. And if they do think about change at this stage. They only see it as the cons. It's what they have to lose out on, on what the reason why it's best to stay exactly where they are versus moving forward. When someone is in contemplation stage of change, when it comes to love addiction, love avoidance, or love deprivation, this looks like they recognize that there might be a problem that, okay, so the way that these relationships are going, it ain't working. The way I feel about myself, I don't like it. The way that I'm interacting with my mom and my father and my siblings, I don't like it. And so I think I might be ready, not right now, but I'm going to think about it. The situationship that I'm in, this relationship that I'm in, okay, something needs to change. And so I'm just going to wait until I feel like I'm ready to make those next steps. You might be doing a lot of pros and cons at this place, but you're not actually putting things in place. You might be reading some books. You might be listening to some podcasts like this one or other ones. You might be even, you might even be looking around for a therapist or for someone to work with, but are you really ready to cut cords? to put down boundaries, to start saying yes to people, to start putting yourself out there and going outside more. No, you're not ready for that yet, but you're thinking about it. So that's contemplation stage. And then action stage of change. So action, for those of y'all who know about those stages of change, they're like, what about preparation? I'm combining preparation and action into the same stage right here. So this is where you're actually moving forward. You have Talk to the therapist or coach that you want to work with to move forward. You, If you are in a 12-step program, you have not only secured a sponsor, you are now working the 12 steps. You're actually not 
paying attention to people who are in your DMs wasting your time. You are not responding to the hey big head text. You are actively talking with your partner in a different way when you have problems instead of holding it in and holding a grudge against them. You are proactively talking to that loved one or family member that you have been upset with versus again, holding it in. You have been saying yes to dates. You have been wearing clothes that fit you and wearing colors instead of wearing black and trying to isolate yourself. Those kind of things. You're actually putting these things into place that you have been gathering information and intel around this this whole time. And then maintenance is when you have done all the actions to change your life, to change this pattern, to cut ties, to cut cores and do something new. And now you're maintaining the change. So this is what I was saying before when I was saying, you know, I shoot for people to have objectives versus getting to this place of where you you've made it, because really the rest of your life is going to be a learning experience of applying the lessons and the wisdom and the tools and the experiences that you have learned earlier to whatever challenges in front of you right now. So again, you get stronger, you get faster, you get wiser, and you get more confident. It doesn't make you perfect, but it allows you to fully, to no longer feel like a mistake or a failure when you have a hard time. And it also helps you feel more confident and feel more deserving no matter what's in front of you, no matter who's in front of you, that you don't lose that. And to know that you have yourself no matter what is going on, meaning that you have access to you. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. As our country continues to grow and make new meaning of the intersection between current and historical events, it is so important to stay connected to the voices and the leaders who are influencing what progress, connection, equality, and truth mean to us as Black people. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection from some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. When healing from an intimacy disorder, one of the first things you have to do right after getting clear on your patterns of addictive behaviors, avoiding behaviors, and living in deprivation is clearing out the roots that caused it, clearing out the experiences, the traumas, the narratives that have kept you stuck all of these years. In my signature coaching program, The Recovery School, you have the opportunity to reveal the sources of low self-worth, to learn about how old roles in your family have resulted in codependency, shutting down, and not letting others in, and also to learn how to talk to and connect to your inner child in a way that is soothing and healing. 
This is the next step to reframing the old stories that have plagued you for years to evolve to being a healed and loved woman and having access to the love and the relationships and self-worth that you've always wanted. Learn more and get started by going to therecoveryschool.com. Again, that is therecoveryschool.com. And your inner voice and your intuition and your strength to know that you're enough no matter what is in front of you, that that's priceless, y'all. And that's what I want all of you to have. We hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. Ladies, I am so excited to share that for this podcast episode, I've partnered with eHarmony, the dating app that helps people find real genuine connection. And for me, this app has absolutely held true to their promise, connecting me to a truly incredible relationship and partnership with someone who truly gets me. Dating apps can be so hard when it comes to filtering through persons who you may not have anything in common with or who may not be super serious about the process and committed. With eHarmony's one-of-a-kind compatibility quiz, you get a baseline standard in every match of your compatibility around values, communication styles, likes and dislikes, energy levels, and so much more. My experience with eHarmony has always been superb with not only the quality of men I was matched with, but also with our compatibility when dating, eliminating the stress of feeling as if I was wasting my time. So join the dating app that helps users find their most authentic relationships. eHarmony, get who gets you and start free today. So with that said, let's talk about love deprivation a little bit more. So love deprivation happens when we reflexively, compulsively avoid giving ourselves social, sexual, emotional nourishment. You can desperately crave love and crave attention and crave connection, but at the same time, you fear it. You fear the intimacy that comes from it. A lot of anxiety comes along with it, whether or not it is you anticipating and predicting that it's not possible for you, predicting that other people will reject you, predicting that it won't be as good as you hope it to be, so you don't ever really ask for it, that you will push away people who want to give it to you. A lot of times people who live in love deprivation, you might even work in a public factor or a public setting that you are actively giving to others what you will deny giving to yourself. Deprivers, it is very easy for you to let things go versus you actually moving forward and believing that something is possible for you. So when you're living in love deprivation, you actively actively fear rejection. And all three different intimacy disorder types have a fear of rejection. It's just that the way that they work through it is different. So when you're actively in your love addiction phase and you're fearing rejection, the way that you try to mitigate um, or prevent someone from rejecting you is you become needless and wantless. You become whatever that person wants you to be. And you become the cool girlfriend. You become the cool friend. You just try to be chill and go along with it. And and or you really try to get all of this reassurance and proof that you are their only one. So are they calling you enough? Are they telling you enough compliments? Are they really in love with you the way that you want them to be? That's where all of the kind of the clingy energy comes from because you have that deep fear of self-rejection. When you're actively in your love avoidance and you have this fear of being rejected or this fear of being abandoned, you just try really hard to not need anybody, to not to, to reject people before they can reject you, whether or not that's you being super busy 
and filling your life with activities and things, whether or not it's you filling your life with a whole bunch of people. And so that you have so many relationships so that if someone doesn't have time for you, if it doesn't work out, you don't feel it because you got so many other connections that are acting as a buffer. When you're living in love deprivation and your fear and rejection, you already reject yourself. You already anticipate, like I said earlier, that they're not going to like you as much as you like them. You know, I'll go on this date, but it might not even work out. I'll ask for what I need, but and they might give it to me, but they're just giving it to me begrudgingly. You project your own sense of rejection onto other people and experiences so that even when or if you're getting what you want, you can't actually feel it. It feels fake to you. It feels imaginary to you. It feels like it's fleeting and it won't stay. And it's easy for you to, it's easier for you to stay in that place versus hope versus actually be honest about how much you actually want this, to actually believe that people will come through for you, to believe that love is possible for you. It is safer for you to stay in this place of misery because at least you don't have to worry about being disappointed at the end. So that's when you're living in your love deprivation. When you're actually living in a place of knowing that you're love worthy and actually acting in it, because every single person listening to this, you're already worthy of love. There is no action plan for you to get to, to where you're good enough to be loved by anybody. You you already deserve it right now where you are with all of your flaws, with all of your insecurities, with all of your thoughts, with all of your silliness and quirks, you're already deserving of love. And so when you actually are living in that place where you know that and you, and you own that, you are, instead of you living in that misery and, and that place of fear and rejection, so you stay there as a place of self-protection, you move towards and you own the fact that you desire closeness. Because I'm love worthy and because I know I'm deserving of love, I desire closeness. And because I love myself, I'm not going to let myself live in a life where I do not get the closeness that I desire and want. Because I know I am so deserving and so amazing, I am going to protect myself enough and I'm going to nurture myself enough to put myself in relationships and put myself in places where where I'm going to get the the affirmation and I'm going to get the care and I'm going to get the physical affection from people, from pets, from friendships that I deserve. Love deprivation looks like having a very high sense of carried shame. While all three of the different intimacy disorder archetypes have that sense of insecurity that they may cover up in different places, when you're actively in love deprivation, you know that you are very much aware of how much you don't like yourself and how much you you may loathe yourself. Someone who's living in love avoidance, they may have some areas of their life that they are super competent in, and so they may flex into that and lean into that more to overcompensate for the places that they don't feel good enough. And that's also the reason why someone who is love avoidant may not even see that they are the common denominator for a a long time because you have these places in your life that you are excelling in and you're succeeding in. So it feels like this small area of your life when it comes to relationships or whatever else, it seems like that's a fluke because I'm killing it everywhere else. So it can't be me. It must be everybody else. But with love deprivation, you know you know that you don't really like yourself. And so that's why you also anticipate things not working out and you take less. But again, when you are living in your love worthiness, you have a higher sense of unshakable value. Like when people try to bring fuck shit around you, you're like, hold on. Like 
when you're in love deprivation, it's like, man, they're doing this to me because I'm not skinny enough or I'm not thick enough or I'm not tall enough or I'm not dark enough or I'm not light skin enough or my hair is this way or I'm not funny enough or I have no like that's it's it's because of me that I'm being treated this way versus when you are in your love worthiness. It's like, who do you know what you have in front of you? <laughs> do you know? Do you not see everything that I am? everything that I bring, that I'm a treasure, that I'm a gift, and you don't personalize their bad behavior and make it about you. Because what every little girl who struggles with love deprivation never got to get is that you are a beautiful treasure, gift, jewel, as you are. And you have had people chip away from that if not your entire life, for sure at the beginning stages of your life, which made you doubt that, which made you start to qualify your value. I am on only valuable when I look this way, when I perform this way, when these type of people give me attention, when these type of people are, when I have this amount of money in my bank account, whatever your qualifiers are, that was learned. There is no child that comes into this world that is like, you know what? I think I need to earn my way to get a hug today or to get kisses. Every baby, every child comes into this world eagerly anticipating love and attention and look at me. I'm so cute. Ha ha ha. Giggle, giggle and feeling special until they learn otherwise. And so this healing process is getting you back to start, getting you back to how you came into this world eagerly anticipating and knowing that you are going to receive love because why why would you not you know love is my birthright um connection attention is what we're here to do however with the wisdom of adulthood that you didn't have as a child being able to spot and anticipate who are the predators who are the people who are unsafe and the people who are not able to give love knowing that is because of them their brokenness, their their iniquities, their whatever they are dealing with, but it has nothing to do with whether or not you are deserving of the love. And something that I haven't said yet when it comes to love deprivation and owning love and giving yourself love and nourishment is that a lot of times you don't give it to yourself because you didn't have a good example of it growing up, that you were given crumbs by other people or you were groomed to attend to others. So you don't even quite know what it looks like to take care of you. You don't even really quite know what it looks like to be in pleasure and be in joy. That's probably one of the most common questions that I get from people or things that women who work with me start to realize is that they're in their 30s, 40s, 50s or more, and they don't quite know who they are. They don't really know who they are outside of what they do and how they show up for other people. So one of the common things, and I'm going to try to explain this, and if y'all are listening to this, it means that I said in a way that I that I hope makes sense and I hope that it's received well. So one of the common things that I ask my students is when they come to this place where they're like, I don't quite know who they are, who I am and what I like to do for fun. When, they, <laughs> when they're listing what are the things they like to do for fun, they all say the same three things. They all say they like to exercise. They all say they like to travel. And they all say that they like to watch TV, right? Or that there's a special type of TV show that they like. And all of those are amazing things that are all super fun. But if I had five women in front of me and they all said that they all like to exercise, travel and watch TV. The 
that doesn't really tap into who they are as women. Because one woman is super quiet and really imaginative and really creative and is great at writing short stories and like dreaming up this other world. Another woman is super extroverted and rambunctious and the first one to dance whenever there's music that comes on and she's the life of the party. And the other one is an amazing cook and she heals people by the things she puts out in front of in front of others and she pours her heart and soul into it and she's an amazing amazing hostess. And the other person is really good at public speaking and motivating people and really speaking to their souls and really seeing something that's inside of you and calling it out. And the other person is amazing at speaking to and nurturing young children and never gets tired with being around them and is able to come up with the most imaginative lessons and play and match their energy and see who they are and create a whole world with them. And is so great at teaching and explaining concepts. And so, you know, those basic three things, exercise, travel, you know, watching TV, binging, reading, whatever it is, those are all amazing things that you can connect with people about. But really what, when I think about helping women operate in their love worthiness, I really want you to be able to tap into what makes you unique. Like what is your soul essence? Who, who are you? Who are you when you're not on a flight to Bali? Like when you were in Bali, how does that essence show up? Are you going around and speaking to locals because you love meeting people and that is your soul essence, the ability, ability to connect and, and love on and meet people across the world? Are you someone who is very tapped into your spirituality and your energy? And so whatever place you go to, you see the resonance of God and universe and spirit, and you're able to speak to that and you're able to bring that into every conversation, into every experience that you have. Do you tap into, you know, the, the cuisine there and you're picking up flavors and recipes and and the senses of that and you bring that back and you share that with people around the world? You know, again, is is taking deeper the concept that you have heard other places and you've heard me say a million times, wherever you go, there you are. And I want you to know so deeply who you are and how special that is and how there's no one who can do you like you do you. And so when people come into your field and when people want to have your friendship, when they ha- want to have your soul, when they want to have your body, they need to see everything that they're getting and they need to cherish that and they need to treasure that because there's only one you. And the way that you know that people are valuing that about you is that you value that for yourself, that you don't walk around as if you're a mistake, as if you're a burden, as if you don't deserve to be here, that that you're sorry for existing. And if you feel that way, my love, I need you to know again that you did not come into this world with that. Somebody gave you those thoughts. They gave you those experiences that it is not your fault, that it's not one more tick on the list of why you, why you're such you know, a worthless piece of whatever, like it just absolutely breaks my heart. Anytime I hear anyone's stories of how, how and where the change happens of every single time that they deserve to be held, hugged, affirmed, valued, paid attention to, celebrated. And they didn't get that as, as a young baby, as a young child, as an innocent soul, it just breaks my heart. And and my my hope, my goal is that these episodes and what I teach here and what I share um, in my programs with y'all is that it helps you realize that you're not the problem. 
And even, you know, I think what, what makes it hard a lot of times too is the people who instill these wounds inside of us, we love them. Even even with all the trauma and things that happen, we love them and we want to give them the benefit of the doubt. And for 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 me, for us to actually call it out for what it is, it feels like a betrayal. It feels like we can't we're not acknowledging that they also had their own trauma and brokenness, which led them to act in this way. And I want you to know that you can do both, that you can have compassion and love for the things that your parents, that your caregivers, that your authority figures, that your teachers, that your siblings, that your lovers went through. You can fully have compassion for them and see them and see even the the inner little girl, inner little boy, inner little person that that is underneath all that. And you can see that and have and have empathy for without neglecting and abandoning yourself. I have compassion for you mother, I have compassion for you father, but I deserved and I needed to be to be seen. I needed to be loved on without abandon. I needed to be cared for in that moment and not pushed aside. I needed for you to put your stuff away to attend to me because I didn't deserve what I what I got. And I deserve more than what I got. You can, you can hold both. And the same could be true for them as well. They deserved more. They, they required more. They didn't deserve to go through what they deserved, what, what they went through, right? We don't, we don't have to live in this black and white thinking where only one person's story is valid and only one person's experience is it's right. And with someone who lives in love deprivation, you're so used to putting yourself last and not even considering your story and your feelings and your need as even on the same plane as other people. And I want you to rise up to that. I want you to step into that. Many of you remember last May is when we really focused on that. That's what the the booster course, the Love Woman Foundations course is all about. It is all about you stepping out of that love deprivation into owning your love worthiness by looking at all the different areas of your life where you needed to and still need to attend to that may be contributing to that place of 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 inner ache, right? When you're, again, doing all the right things, but you still feel like something isn't clicking. And in that course, we talk about the trauma in more detail of where that comes from. Uh, We talk about using some of our tools to work through that, some of the tapping and things that we talked about before and some other things as well, what some self-compassion looks like in this way, but also clear cut, this is your action plan to actually move into movement. And at the time that I'm recording this, the women who enroll into the Love Women Foundations can get a credit towards the recovery school because it's one of the tracks that you can choose. I've decided I'm going to have a separate episode that talks about all the ways to work together versus trying to kind of put it into announcements and everything because I feel like there are so many different avenues and ways that people get support here at Black Girls Heal. And I want to just commit one episode to talking about that. So that's going to happen a little bit later this week. But for now, just wanted to share that that is one of the bonuses for students that enroll. And for the last component of going from love deprivation to love living in your love worthiness, which you already have, when you are in love deprivation, this looks like you going through cycles of isolating and binging on self-medicating behaviors to try to repress these needs versus when you're living in your love worthiness, you have a healthy balance of indulging in pleasurable 
activities and behaviors. So those of you who have been with me for a while, you know that I renamed love anorexia to love deprivation. I got feedback from somebody one time where they felt triggered by the term love anorexia. That is the term that's used in the 12-step program of Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. Well, actually, they call it sexual anorexia, but they call it that they call it sexual anorexia or a love anorexia because it is it goes you go through bouts of extreme restriction and then extreme indulgence. And so here's an example. An example of love deprivation or living in a state of love deprivation looks like you trying to go years and years and long periods of time, just focus on yourself. You can't see my air quotes, but just focus on yourself. I don't need relationships. I don't need anything else. I'm just going to focus on my kids. I'm going to focus on my career and I'm just going to find happiness that way. And then you reach a period in time where you're like, okay, you know what? I am tired of this. <laughs> I am tired of being alone. Uh, I thought that me being busy and ignoring all this would make all this this desire for this go away. And so then you go out and you start to date. And, but because you've been living in extreme restriction, you may go into extreme indulgence. So you are really going out there and dating the same type of people that may have been toxic for you, that may have not worked out for you. Because you haven't really learned balance, you may go all in even more so than you did before, either to try to make up for lost time or because that relationship is so triggering that you really and you're maybe so trauma bonded that you really wanted to work out until you keep going and keep going and keep going until it's like you get so burnt out and so hurt by the consequences of that, that you go back to your extreme state of re- restriction and say, okay, you know what? I'm done with relationships. I don't need that. It's not worth the trauma and the drama that it brings. I'm just going to focus on me. And meanwhile, you staying in that, in that restrictive state is not any better. It is not any more fulfilling. It may feel safer from being hurt and disappointed. But as far as you reaching a place where you're like, you know what, I can stay here happily forever and not flex to within the next five years, be like, okay, you know what, I'm tired of being alone. I want to have a partner, right? Like you can't, you can't erase that desire away. If you're someone who wants to be in a partnership in a relationship, the sad news for you, even though I feel like it is, is good, but the sad news for you is that there's no amount of time that erases that desire for a companionship because that companionship is part of what makes us human. Now, we may need to learn and be open to how compa- the different forms of companionship versus idolizing that romantic partnership is the only way that we can have soulmate fulfilling relationships. But that desire for connection does not go away. And the thing about love deprivation and that fear of fear of rejection and that fear of closeness is that it does only happen in romantic partnerships. Very few people, if any, actually get to know you when you're living in love deprivation because you have that high sense of self-shame that you just anticipate that people don't really want to hear your stories as much as you want to hear theirs. So in conversations with others, you make it all about them and how you can give to them and how you can take care of them. When you're in love deprivation, you may not have any money and time for you, but you'll go and give your last money to your family members to pay for their rent, to buy clothes for other people, to lend them money. But when you look around, when's the last time you bought yourself something new? When's the last time you took care of your apartment? or your house and really made it something beautiful? When's the last time you cleaned out your car? When's the last time that you went and bought yourself a full price massage 
just because instead of either going without it or, you know, thinking about something for yourself and not actually doing it for yourself. People who live in love deprivation, you're so good at anticipating the needs of others. But when it comes time to doing it for you, it's not the right time. You don't have the budget for it. You don't have the energy for it. And that's more of the self-restriction. So um, let me also pause and say here that when it comes to dating for those who are single and love and love deprivation, this is not me villainizing or criminalizing you needing to heal and recover from triggers that happen when you're dating because it can and does get stressful. You know, even if you're dating really nice people, if you want to be in a long-term monogamous relationship, going through the ups and downs and the disappointment of that can feel very heavy. So this is not saying that if you ever take pauses from dating or from getting to know people and meeting people, that that means that you are unhealthy. If anything, that's probably a really good thing. If you if you notice that you are emotionally getting overattached or just your feelings are hurt because you really like somebody, it's definitely okay and healthy to take breaks and to recover and come from a healthy place. Restriction of love deprivation looks like living in that place for years and completely denying anybody from getting to know you. Living in isolation from friendships and any types of intimate partnerships at all because you are afraid of that rejection from other people. So what does it look like to be healthy? What is was an actual picture of this? So this looks like if you did or were needing to take a break from dating, if you were someone who wanted to be in a long-term committed monogamous partnership, and you are saying, you know what, I need to take a break from this, that you're still acknowledging, I need emotional nourishment. I need emotional connection. I need physical nurturance. I need physical connection from other human beings. So I'm going to go and give and ask for hugs from my friends. I'm going to talk about my feelings with people and initiate and sharing myself with others instead of hoping that somebody asks me about me. And I'm only going to do that with people who are healthy and people who are available for me. I'm going to actively take myself out and give myself pleasurable experiences. I'm going to dote on myself. I'm going to dote on other people too. I'm not going to idolize that only romantic partnerships can provide this sense of self-actualization and enjoyment, right? And I think that's something that's really hard to to get out of when you struggle with love addiction and love avoidance and love deprivation, because the core of that is not that you want to be connected to someone, is that you have idolized the romantic partnership so much that you believe that once you have that, then everything in your life, all of your inner wounds, all those inner insecurities will be resolved by the love of this other person. And the truth is, is that while romantic partnerships and friendship relationships and familial relationships can and do provide so much love and so much abundance and so much care and so much joy and laughter, you still have to do your own inner work. It doesn't absolve you of the need to have your own identity, to know who you are, to be able to attend to and love yourself. Anyone who's been in a soulmate relationship before with the person who is their person will still tell you that they still have to take care of themselves. And if anything, the way that you nurtured that relationship is by taking care of you, is by not requiring this other person 
to be a magician and absolve you of all of your inner wounds. Like they can be there for support. They can be there to listen and to hold you when things get hard. But really, you're the one who still has to do that work. And also because they are human, they're not going to be 100% all the time, nor should they be. They have their own things that they're working through. They have their own dreams and fears that they're also looking towards every day. And you as a partner, you need to be able to be at an emotional, healthy state where you can hold space for them as well. You know, partnerships are not all about what you can get from someone. It's also about what you can give. And I think there's a flex between finding that balance. Some people are so good at self-denying and looking at what can I give other people to where they don't even know what they need. And some people are so focused on what can I get from you because I've had so many people take advantage of me and you you have to take care of me enough. And maybe once you're acting right, maybe I'll take care of you. And neither one of those are healthy. We have to be able to both give and receive mutually and be in relationships with people who give and receive with us mutually as well. Okay, so... That was the breakdown of love deprivation versus love avoidance. I hope that y'all found this helpful. Uh, Usually whenever I teach about the model, people focus on love addiction and love avoidance. But my ladies who struggle with love deprivation, y'all are out there and and y'all are usually like, wow, this is totally me. This is totally why I live in fantasy and live in my own little world because I just don't believe that there's something possible for me. And it is, it it is so possible for you and you're so deserving. And part of that is releasing the shame that people have been giving to you that you've been carrying around that doesn't belong to you and letting that go and replacing that with self-love and self-acceptance and self-compassion and self-ownership because you're amazing. You're so amazing. So that is it y'all. Once again, I hope that this sets you up for a great year to start honoring yourself and taking care of yourself. If love deprivation is something that you would like to work on, your next step is the Loved Woman Foundations course. There are three main goals of the program. The first one is to identify the stories from your past that have taught you your love deprivation patterns of behavior so that you can catch them in the future. The next goal is to learn the eight different types of love deprivation and then how to live in a healthy balance for each type. And then the last goal is to learn seven steps to heal from love deprivation symptoms and create a full life of self-love practices and connection. There's a whole lot more that goes into the program than that, but it is one of our smaller courses that you can do and start immediately. To join, you can go to blackgirlsheal.org and click on work with us at the top and then scroll down to find the course. And if you are a member of the recovery school, if you decide to join our bigger coaching program, it is one of the courses that you can choose as a bonus to add on that's included in your price of enrollment. So that is it for now. I look forward to y'all joining to getting that transformation, getting that change and going deeper in this issue because you all deserve, you deserve to have access to that full love worthiness right now, which you already possess before you to step into it and live in it more. So that's it for today's episode. I'm sending you all so much love. Until next time, go ahead and take care of yourselves. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. 
Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a super light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24.